Oh, yeah, um, I'm a billionaire. I am, you know, I am making that part of my identity. <laughs> That's so true. Okay, okay, let's manifest this. Okay, Rebecca and I, yeah. Rebecca and I are going to have a massively successful podcast. We're going to be billionaires by Hi guys, welcome back to the fifth episode of Successful Failures. It's been a minute, well it's actually been like two weeks, Um, (laughs) but we took a little break because we felt that, well we didn't take a break, we delayed this episode because we felt that there were much more important issues and there still are um, very important issues going on in the world which we felt like we needed to promote and raise awareness about and we didn't feel like it was the right time to start promoting our own episode. And that is in no way saying that these issues have been resolved, like, in any way. Mm -hmm. Um, And we really do want to take the time to firstly just mention, I mean, there are, like, five million world crises going on in the world right now. Like, 2020 has just been been a bit been a bit mad um but we really want to place emphasis on what is happening in the congo right now for all of you listening to this on your iphone your android your samsung (laughs) your mac whatever we are all contributing indirectly or directly to child slavery child Mm -hmm. labor genocide exploitation um that is primarily coming out of the congo and i'm sure is happening elsewhere in the world and it's really important for us to raise awareness about it so if you do want to do some more research and raise awareness about it we would strongly recommend looking up save the congo on instagram and just looking up the hashtag congo is bleeding because that's where you'll probably find like the most information but anyway, if you are new, I'm Almina. And I'm Rebecca. And this is just a podcast where we're just talking about failure and all the challenges and setbacks that come with life. And in today's episode, we're doing something a little different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Normally, we are interviewing people um, that we know or like know of and asking them about the challenges and setbacks that they faced and trying to learn lessons from their lives. But in today's episode, we are not interviewing the person we are talking about. She has done a fair <laughs> share of interviews in her lifetime. Um, anyway, you guys have read the title. I don't know why I'm acting like you guys haven't. We're talking about the one and only Oprah Winfrey. And yeah, we're going to be talking about her life, her background, the challenges that she faced, and try and really pull out what we can learn from that, what are the takeaways from the challenges that she's faced. And yeah, it's going to be a really interesting episode. She's had like such an interesting life which i did not know about so let's get into it yes let's get into it but of course before we get started you know what we have to do we have to talk about you you know what we have to do we have to talk about what we failed at this week so i mean why don't you go first and tell the people well for all our (laughs) listeners this is the first time we're not recording in person Mm -hmm. That is because the L that I took this week was getting COVID. (laughs) (laughs) It took me like, what, seven, eight months, but Mm -hmm. we finally got here. We finally took the L. Um, she actually, actually, no, it's a heat. It has to be a heat. COVID is a Look Um, at me, like, of course, of course. (laughs) Um, 
but yeah i got covid i don't actually have any symptoms or anything like i'm absolutely fine but obviously i have to self-isolate um so yeah covid gave me a real l um but yeah that's, that's where we are this week a heavy l but what have you failed at um this week um well first of all like glad that you're not suffering too much with covid you know that would have been very messy um <laughs> guy wait you know um i haven't really got any of the like actual symptoms but my eye has been twitching so much really like is that is that like i'm not sure if that's the symptom <laughs> but literally like ever since i got covid my eye has been twitching like i don't understand that's very so, weird yeah is there any like doctors on this podcast can you like let me know yo this covid um, is really um you know very multifaceted the <laughs> guy okay, very multifaceted it's giving me mad back pain which i already had before but it's just exacerbating it and uh, yeah so i'm it not does. getting coughs i'm not getting a fever but it's back pain and twitching eyes that they want to give me very crazy so but anyway wild. what have you That's actually so found wild. out this week sorry this week yeah um so this week i mean as you know i don't know if the listeners know um, I tend to sleep pretty late, <laughs> but but I started oh a my whole God, you new, you know, do. sleep already thing, um, and it was going well for a bit, <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of like you know slipped up a bit. Um, but I think the thing to take away from this is that you know I'm gonna get back on track, and you know I'll be sleeping earlier than you soon. So yes, sir. But what is sleep early? Because sleep early to you is like one a.m. Mm-hmm. in my mind. Oh yeah, something like that. <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> I don't know how you people sleep yeah. at four or five a.m. Like I don't understand it. I used to do that in first year, and like I can't do it anymore. Yeah, no, like literally, really if messy. I'm staying up past, if I'm staying up past one, I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm yeah, such no, a, yeah. and I think COVID has made it worse because obviously I'm not clubbing or anything. I'm not going out. Mm-hmm. So like I mean I not that I you were doing that gathering. <laughs> Shut up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've actually no, but COVID has like turned me into like a certified grandma. Yeah. Like now I went to one gathering like a month ago mm-hmm. and I was sitting there at, like twelve, like you're like guys, it's no time to go to bed. Like, <laughs> good. Um, <laughs> let's get into the one and only Oprah. Flash mm-hmm. that sounds really odd. We can't get into Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the story <laughs> behind the one and only Oprah. So we, of course, all know her from her amazing TV show, The Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. Show, which, to be honest, I haven't... I've only watched, like, clips of it. Like, I've watched, like, Rihanna's episode and, like, other stuff. But obviously, yeah. The Oprah Winfrey yeah. Show was, like, kind of before our time. I well, it ended in 2011, yeah. started in 1986. But... Through that, she broke down so many barriers and she's mm-hmm. become like, she's been the first of like a lot of stuff. Yeah. So for example, she was the richest African-American of the 20th century. North America is like the US's first black multimillionaire, which girl, like, that's actually crazy. Honestly, and currently, stuff. her net worth is $2.6 billion like capital b yo like she's all the way in her bag like in several bags Rebecca, if we're not making if we're not making this much money from interviewing people in a few years like we've done something wrong yeah i mean we, we have to change from successful failures to just you know failed <laughs> just failures. failures. <laughs> <laughs> 2.6 billion are you mad nah that's crazy and what's even crazier mm-hmm. is 
in now that we know oh, what we know her now mm-hmm. understanding her life story behind that is like from where she grew up that is just not where you'd think you'd see completely someone um, who is in that different. position so yeah so getting into her background a little bit she was born in mississippi in 1954 um to a single mom and her mom was really young when she had her as well um and she was born into poverty which is maybe something maybe not a lot of people knew about her i mean she's 2.6 billion now you wouldn't think she started from poverty um, yeah crazy and for the first i think six years of her life she was raised by her grandmother um and when when we're talking poverty we're talking about real poverty um I've, we've seen online that sometimes she was so poor she would have to make dresses out of potato sacks like she got called potato not potato sack girl and stuff like that um, but yeah, this is this is a really stark contrast from obviously where she is now. Um, so yeah, when she was six, she moved back in with her mom, and I mean her story kind of just got worse from there. She suffered from abuse and molestation. So at the age of thirteen, she ran away. Um, then to follow on from that, she fell pregnant about a year later, and then she lost the baby um, after birth. So honestly, she had a, a very like rough childhood, just looking at that. And that's just what we know from looking online. We obviously don't know all the other you know, parts that came with that and how that took a toll on her physically, mentally, et cetera. So it was a really rough uh, way yeah, for her to grow crazy. up. Yeah, it's crazy. It's actually crazy. And what's more sad is that sometimes, like this is actually a very, or was, I'm not sure how it is now, but this was a very common experience, especially for girls, mm-hmm. like, growing up. Like, I was watching a... Oh, no, sorry. I was reading a book the other day and it was talking about mm-hmm. how, um, like, family sexual abuse um, or sexual yeah. abuse that occurs in the family and, like, molesting in America is really, really common. And I'm sure it's common elsewhere as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, like, a real-life experience of not just Oprah but a yeah. lot of people yeah. like throughout the world and that is just like I can't even begin to yeah, imagine it's terrifying, honestly. Um, and even more terrifying yeah, and I had, until recently it wasn't even it was like taboo or it wasn't even encouraged for people to speak up on these kind of things you know or even exactly the normal, that's even what acceptable. Um, exactly like when Oprah actually spoke about this in her like when she had the Oprah Winfrey show in mm-hmm. 1986 that's when um she spoke about being sexually abused by mm-hmm. people in her family and like imagine talking about like I can't even imagine talking about something like that Full like stop to a lot of people yeah. and then you're now saying it on like national tv yeah. like Oprah is so brave yeah. like that's just crazy but anyway so as we said this was like a massive challenge for her um and like i can't even as we said well as rebecca said we don't even know like the proper ins and outs mm-hmm. of what she went through but she was coming off the back of this really hard childhood and after she lost the baby she moved to tennessee to live with her father and yeah. attended east nashville high school and at high school I wouldn't say her life turned around or anything. I'm not entirely sure what, like, the living situation was like. But she was able to excel a lot more. So, for example, she joined the high school speech team and placed second in the whole of the U.S. in dramatic interpretation. And then she later won an oratory contest, which allowed her to um, like go to Tennessee State University on a full scholarship (laughs) where she studied communication. So... 
you know, her life was kind of turning around a little bit. She was kind of getting into her niche and at her senior year at high school and then when she was actually at Tennessee State University for the first two years, mm-hmm. she worked part-time at a local radio station called Wivel. Wivel, I'm not really sure. It's spelled W-V-O-L. We have a lot of weird, like, guy, radio stations back in the day were yeah. spelled, like, they had weird-ass names. Yeah. But yeah, Wivel, Wivel, I'm not really sure <laughs> what it is. Um, but this was, like, her first mm-hmm. real steps into hosting. Yeah. Um, which I found really interesting, actually. Yeah, for really sure. Cool. And actually, like, before, you know, we even get into all the other things and all the other hosting opportunities she continued to have like she was nurturing this communication skill from early days um like you you can see or you see online that um from the age of three she used to mock interview her own dolls and like the crows on the fence um so yeah she was (laughs) the crows (laughs) the crows you know um from the age of three so yeah i mean natural born talents basically um and then in church growing up she was so talented at speaking that they nicknamed her, nicknamed her the preacher. Um, so yeah, this wasn't just something that she all of a sudden like started doing. Like she she been doing these kind of things. And you notice that with a lot of people, like um, Beyonce started like she was she was really good at singing and started like at a very very early age. Mm-hmm. And I mean, follow yeah. your childhood dreams, guys. Like for real. Because I think, yeah. like, sometimes yeah. you... Do it. I feel like childhood is where your real passions come out because that's when you're, like, allowed to explore, like, everything. Well, like, most yeah. people, or a lot of people are allowed to explore, like, all different facets because you're so, like, open. Your imagination is everywhere. You're not constrained True. by jobs or GCSEs True. or anything. The pressures And sometimes I feel like... Yeah, I mean, personally, I can't relate because when I was a child, I literally, like, every two weeks, I wanted to do a different job. Like, it was, at, like, <laughs> if you ask my family, like, literally, I had the, it, was, it wasn't even just I had different jobs. It was, like, the weirdest jobs. Like, I wanted to be a policewoman really? one week. Like, I remember this so vividly. I remember I wanted to be a policewoman. And then the next one, I wanted to be a farmer's wife. Like, what? Is that even a job? <laughs> farmer's wife. <laughs> <laughs> And then I wanted oh to be, gosh. I at the time, I didn't know the word mm-hmm. geologist, but I wanted to be a rock yeah. collector. Um, right. So, clearly, I'm there. very glad I didn't follow my childhood dreams. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> you know, you never know. I feel like, think back to what you did wanted to do as a child and maybe explore those things because sometimes we already know what we want at a very maybe. young age. Maybe we'll um, find Almina on a then, farm in 20 years from now. <laughs> God forbid. God forbid. Um, <laughs> or just see me picking up rocks. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So moving on from that little anecdote. Um, mm-hmm. So from Wovel Radio. <laughs> I need to say Wovel. From <laughs> WVOL. Um, she was noticed and became the co-anchor for like a local evening news station in Nashville at Willock. <laughs> I'm gonna continue saying these days because these are actually funny. Yep. Willock TV, um, mm-hmm. and this was like you know as I said before, she was she's been the first of many things. At this time, she was the yeah. first black female like primetime newscaster in Nashville. So this was like a really really big deal. 
and I think was one of like the biggest steps that she took in terms of like advancing her career and getting her out into like you know national or county stage um yes and then after that she went on to Baltimore to work with WJZ TV (laughs) (laughs) um and in 1976 uh she yeah she became a primetime news anchor there um and in her own work she says this is where she yeah come on all the way um but yeah she said that this was the first or rather the first and worst failure of her tv career um so for this new job she was hired not only because she was talented but also because they had an agenda of kind of appealing to a larger base um so to do that they organized like this huge promotional campaign around the show and around her as a co-host um, to the original guy, Jerry Turner, who had been there for ages. I mean, he started when Oprah was just eight years old, so he's been there for time. Um, so, yeah, they had a huge marketing campaign, and she was at the forefront of it. But unfortunately, even with all that, the show still flopped. So even though it wasn't her or her skills or her talent that made it flop, because like she was the image or the face of it, um, like that failure was tied to her or like pushed onto her. Uh, so that must have been pretty yeah. intense at the time. Yeah, and I think, like, especially with Jerry Turner, so as Rebecca mm-hmm. said, Jerry Turner had been, like, a professional season guy in the field. Yeah. And as she, like, as we mentioned in Nashville um, before, she was a first black female newscaster. Yeah. And this was a very white, male-dominated space, mm-hmm. right? So, of course, when this TV show in Baltimore now flops, it wasn't Jerry Turner, her white male co-host, yeah. that was blamed. It was her. And she also suffered from personality clash. Well, not suffered. They also had personality clashes yeah. between the two of them. So between Jerry and Oprah. And it kind of meant that, I guess, they didn't really mesh well, both, like, in person and on screen. Mm -hmm. So I think that kind of contributed to the demise of the show. It didn't last very long at all. And this was not only just a failure because the show flopped, it also like she was just demoted so yeah. she moved from you know being one prime time news co-anchor big deal to one small small writing and reporting gig like it was just it was just a bit yeah. rude to be honest um and she kind of quickly found out that this was just a job that she was not suited for yeah. so she as we all know Oprah now she's very I wouldn't I didn't mean emotional in a bad sense but she connects to the people she connects to the stories mm-hmm. and she wasn't suited for a reporting job that was more focused on obviously interviews are based on facts but it's more you know the emotion about it she was not suited for sort of hard-nosed fact-driven reporting and yeah it just meant that not only was the show a flop it meant she was demoted it meant she was put into a job that she really didn't work well in and yeah as Rebecca said this was the first and worst failure of her tv career which I found Mm. really interesting and it's I guess it would be even like scarier or more daunting that this was sort of early on in her career and for it to be that massive of a failure you know could have really like derailed her yeah because she was just coming up you know um so yeah must have taken a lot to push through from there um but yeah even though it was a setback in her career uh, she has said that she's learned a lot from it. Um, she said that, you know, while she loved TV, she didn't really want to specialize in TV news, as Elmina was saying. And she said somewhere that, you know, that kind of um, 
presenting style could only work if she had like a really strong chemistry with the co-host and obviously she didn't have that with Jerry Turner so that must have just kind of added to putting that kind of at the back of her preference list um so she she figured out what she wanted to do um was to cover more human more personal stories like you were saying and this is where she's thrived obviously yeah and I think that's like a super important lesson right that we Mm -hmm. can I mean we're going to focus on the lessons more later but I think that's really important because often I think like when we think of our goals or we think of what we want to do in our life sometimes we can pigeonhole ourselves Mm -hmm. um, into things that we haven't necessarily tried yet so if you take Oprah maybe she obviously I don't know if she always wants to do tv and didn't actually want to do tv news but that's where she ended up um but let's say she was always in tv news before then it's fine if you need to redirect or reshift your goal. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important because sometimes you can be working in an industry or a field where there are lots of different avenues and you might be going down one and then you realize that, whoa, okay, maybe I need to shift onto a different avenue. Yeah. And I think it's really important to be adaptable and also to like respond to yourself. Yeah, if you can 100%. tell that you might not be suited for one area or you're getting these signs, like you need to be adaptable like I think it's really really important and it's not bad in any way and I think like now you see where she is like it's a good thing she didn't go down tv news yeah um like to be honest who remembers any like real anchor men like who has made bare money off who's made 2.6 billion dollars off being a news anchor person like Please. True, true. Um, true. Low so, key, the American also, like news anchors do be making money. Not two, po- not not two point six bill, but they do be making money. Low key, <laughs> they make money, but like actually, isn't there that two point six guy who's like, who's like really controversial and like Trump loves him, but um, he's like kind of controversial. But I think mm. he make uh, like he makes money. Like people know his name. Not me though, yeah. apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, some of them make money. Um, yeah, they make money, but not Oprah money. No, What's that yeah. song? Oprah's, Oprah's bank, bank account. account. They, <laughs> I mean, yeah. come on, that says it all. That says, that it, says all. it all. Have you got songs written about your bank account? Thank no. you. Okay. By Drake and um, Eliade and the Baby. Come on. Exactly. What are you saying? Um, and also, like, another interesting fact, she was actually told by um, her boss in Nashville that she was actually too emotional and just not right for TV. Mm. So you guys don't listen to your haters. Don't listen to your um, haters. They, if if you have like a God's feeling that you that because obviously like I'm guessing she knew that this is what she wanted yeah. to do. She's yeah. taking communication at university. Yeah. All these things that she was doing when she was really young, like she mm-hmm. knew that she was good at it. And yeah, I think it's important. Like being unique. Yeah. Just like being emotional in her case, being unique that can create a whole avenue in itself. That like she created that whole avenue with the Oprah Winfrey show. She was like, I'm too emotional, but like I'll just make a whole new thing about <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. So, like make that yeah. the wave. Don't listen to haters. And like building on to what you were saying about um having to pivot on your goals. You know, you always think that goals are the things that could drive you forward, which they, they can and they do most of the time. But if you kind of are focusing on the wrong goals, they could actually be the things that hold you back. Like, can you imagine if she just kept trying to do the TV presenter thing that wasn't working for her and she just had that as a rigid goal? Like, that would be holding her back. So, yeah, 100% on being able to pivot and use goals not as, you know, final fixed destinations, just as kind of, like, guidance points as you go along. Exactly. They need Um, to be be malleable. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, So, yeah, of course, 
Oprah bounced back, you know the vibes. Uh, so from Baltimore, she went to Chicago. I don't really know like U.S. geography that much, but she was really going around <laughs> the country. I feel like. <laughs> um, yeah. So from there, she went to Chicago in 1978 to co-host another show called People Are Talking. People are talking, um, and she co-hosted with a man called Richard Sher. So she worked there for about five years, and then stayed in Chicago, but moved to a, another morning show called AM Chicago. Um, and when she got there, um, AM, AM Chicago was rated pretty badly, but when she came there, she kind of turned it around um, and boosted them to like the first place uh, morning show in Chicago. So that's some serious stuff. And this is kind of the beginning of where we know Oprah, or the beginning of what we know of her today. Um, so when she when the show started to take off, it was renamed the Oprah Winfrey Show. And from there, she launched her own production company, and the show ran from 1986 to 2011, so it had a really long stretch. Okay, 25 years, quarter of a century. Can you just imagine? dominating. And by the early 2000s, she, like, 49 million people, like, 49 million. <laughs> I didn't even know that was the number. in... Guys, that's <laughs> actually crazy. So this wasn't just a bounce back. This yeah. was more than that. Like, yeah. guy, imagine those bosses in Baltimore and Nashville. Like, they're, they're ruining the day they have a lot of trigger. Yeah, um, honestly. So yeah. <laughs> honestly, that's actually wild. 49, and this is early 2000s. Yeah. Damn, what? I mean, Can it you... kind of makes... I mean, not make sense, but like... Because obviously streaming yeah, now, I'm not really sure how streaming goes into views, but like mm-hmm. television was like kind of the only true mode of entertainment apart from true. cinemas. But still, like that's not taking away Oprah's true. success. Imagine in how much way. it would be now like, if you add television plus streaming plus guy. mobile phones and like all the other. That's wild. She's actually doing some stuff with Apple. Um, Apple TV, I think, at the mm-hmm, moment, mm-hmm. Um, like because like she has like that. her own production company and yep. stuff like that. She has her own channel as well, the o- not channel channel network, the Oprah Winfrey mm-hmm. Network in America. So like Rebecca, like that's what I'm channeling for us. Yeah, I receive our it. interviews will take us there. I receive <laughs> it all the way, all the way. But you see, Oprah, um, I don't even seen that clip. I think it's Oprah when she's like, "You get a car, you get a car, you get a car." Yeah. <laughs> Like, she really was treating her people like, I don't know what we're giving out people right now, but don't worry, guys, one day you'll be getting cars. Guys, for real. I think, I feel like Ellen DeGeneres, like, kind of took that idea from Oprah Mm. because Ellen is really generous on Mm -hmm. her shows. Um, But, you know, Oprah was the, she was the lead, the the inspo, I guess. The The OG, OG, for real. I guess Ellen is more kind of the modern, like, talk show celebrity. Um, and then Oprah yeah, was and there I feel like she, she doesn't get time. in as she doesn't get in as deep as Oprah yeah, does. Like yeah, I feel yeah. like, like I don't feel like people open up to Ellen in the same way that they open up to Oprah. Yeah. That's not like a a diss at Ellen, yeah, although yeah, 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 she yeah. has been through her own crazy <laughs> stuff at the moment. Um, I swear, I swear, the internet cancelled her, or was that not a thing that happened? I they tried. But you know, the internet. We can never cancel. She's back though. Oh, she's back. Like she got cancelled because apparently there was like a lot of, a lot of shady stuff going on before. Apparently she's not nice at mm. all. Like this really? is all allegedly. Obviously we don't know what's happening. Like we really don't. Um, so the show is back on, Sha. So I'm guessing some people stayed <laughs> from the company. <laughs> um, but 
obviously like people I don't know my you know one of my favorite quotes is no one is entirely good and no one is entirely bad yeah so like even Trump has some good Mm, I don't know. I'm about sure that. he's very few, but <laughs> he's good at being stupid. Okay, let me not maybe. use Trump. Let me not use Trump. But like, you know, everyone everyone can seem have good attributes, and yeah, some people will yeah. have bad attributes. No, some yes. people. Everyone will have good or bad attributes, yeah, yeah. and sometimes we may only see the bad ones. We may only see the good ones. Um, sure. So. I mean, I'm sure some the people do be having like ninety nine percent bad, so it's hard to find yeah, the one percent good. That is true. But, that know. is true. Um, and they need to work on that. Okay, so I guess getting back to her story a bit, um, in 1998, so about 10 years, 12 years after she started the Oprah Winfrey show, um, she was part of a big budget movie called Beloved, um, and it was based off the novel by Toni Morrison, and that was kind of intended to thrust her into Hollywood, like the Hollywood limelight, but it flopped. I, I think I, I saw something like her agent or her manager called her and told her that the ratings were down and like she was so upset. Yeah. Um, that was on yeah. the first day. Yeah, the, the first, first day. day. Not even one. like a week. Day one. But yeah, she said that she effectively sure. learned to never put all your expectations or eggs in kind of the basket of the box office and take a more relaxed approach. Um, do the work and whatever whatever happens, happens. And I guess you could apply that to anything, you know. Um, I guess one thing is not to kind of base your success off what the critics say, even though for movies that is kind of a big part of giving it that push. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess in, in other instances, yeah, don't base it just on one thing. Don't base it just on external things. And just be ready to be flexible and bounce back, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And I think, like, even if you... when You know, whenever I think of putting your eggs and wool into one basket, I just mm. think of Love Island. Yeah, same. Sorry, I love saying like a... <laughs> Same, same, same. I love saying that. But I, I think it's important, that. though. Like, if you extrapolate that a little bit and take it out of the mm. context of what was beloved, um, it's I think it's so important not to put all your eggs into one basket, like, with anything, whether it's relationships or... Um, <laughs> your career mm-hmm. or like things that you want to do because oh, but she's not advocating cheating with the eggs in one basket thing <laughs> oh that is very true that's what they be doing in love island that's what they be doing in love island that is very very true in fact no in relationships put all your eggs in one basket i don't want to see one egg i mean keep that. some of the eggs in your basket for your own personal you know exactly uh, self-love and self-love and all that yeah exactly they should only be in two baskets you and your partner period so i want to hear none of this (laughs) oh i wasn't (laughs) um yeah we're not advocating any of that Mm -mm. um but anyway i think if we take it to like careers more generally um i think it's really Mm -hmm. really important to be really adaptable and also like I just think it's important to try and... I mean, obviously, if you're really good at one thing, right, and you want to specialise in that, do it. Go ahead. But I think, like, even if you take um, the example of her in Baltimore Mm -hmm. um, and how the show flopped, like, you can really fail at any stage of your career, right? And we're going to touch on this a little bit later. um, But, you know, you need to be adaptable and you need to be able to, like, venture into different things just in case things go wrong. Because if 2020 has taught us anything, like, you know how everyone, like, people lost their jobs and they had to start learning new skills in completely different fields. Yeah. Like, you need to be adaptable 
and I think it's better like just never to be too married to one thing yeah. unless it's your partner um, <laughs> because <laughs> that you should be very married unless you know that's like a toxic situation then unmarry that yeah or you're in an open relationship <laughs> oh yeah you know, true true do you but we do not yeah um but yeah I just think like adaptability is so important and never mm-hmm. hold your identity just to one thing because mm-hmm. I think that can be a little dangerous yeah um and also I guess like when you go back to beloved you need to take criticism and learn from it obviously criticism can be really really hard to deal with um like in jobs or school or whatever mm-hmm. um but I think it helps again with this whole don't be married to one um to one thing too much is I think it allows you to then step back and not take things too personally because like with Beloved for example I'm guessing obviously I can't speak for Oprah Shah, but like Oprah needed to then like take a step back respond to the criticism mm-hmm. realize what isn't working what is working and then come back and since then you know she's produced When They See Us she's produced oh, yeah. Selma she's produced so many other shows she's also yeah. acted so she acted in The Butler and in Selma as well and this is all off the back of failure. This is all off the back of not doing as well and taking the yeah. criticism and not giving up, just learning or reorienting. So she's produced like a lot with her production company. Um, so, you know, she's kind of gone down different avenues, learned from her experiences, learned from her failures and been really adaptable in her career, which I think is really important. 100%. Um and yeah, I mean, it's been a journey and a half. I mean, it's been more than a journey and a half. It's been like four journeys and a half for her. Um, <laughs> but like you were saying, it's so important to look at how we can take away from this in a broader sense. Um, and adding on to what you were saying, like it also shows that you can fail at any stage, you know? So like in Baltimore at the time, she was making serious strides and things were looking up, you know, business was booming and all the rest. Um, and then, you know, that happened and she experienced that huge setback and that huge failure. Um, and then again with Beloved, you know, and that was after the Oprah Winfrey show had already been so successful. Like, you know, she was reaching the peak of her career, but she could still have failures at that point. Um, so, yeah, failure isn't only something that happens at the beginning, it happen whenever. And you have to be prepared for it. You have to almost expect it, not in a negative way. Of course, you want to be positive. Of course, you want to have mm. like, faith in what you're doing, but like be ready for it so that when it comes yeah. it doesn't cripple you you know you're able to not only just absorb it and deal with it but to flip it into something positive so i think yeah that's, exactly and you, know. you can you can develop mechanisms for dealing with it mm-hmm. i think this might be harder in a more personal sense um well not necessarily like even in daddy's episode you know how he was talking about how um with investing he whenever he made a mistake he yeah. would go back over that mistake and work out what's happening yeah like what went wrong i think that's a really good example of how you individually can work out mechanisms to confront failure when they happen again yeah yeah true. obviously if you're working like a business or something then you really do need mechanisms to deal with failure mm-hmm. because as a business like you can't be just repeating the same mistakes yeah. that's really stupid yeah, yeah. um but yeah that's really important and I think there are also some really important lessons that we can take from her success right because the Oprah Winfrey show did so well yeah and you know we're all about taking lessons from failure but you know we should also take some lessons from her success right um and I think the biggest one is just the importance and the significance of empathy 
like I think everyone can relate like social media especially people do not be having empathy they have be having empathy for like one day when something awful happens and then the next day they're back to dragging someone Um, Mm -hmm. But I think, like, the reason why her show was so groundbreaking and so important and broke down so many barriers was because she was so empathetic. You know, she was supporting people from all different backgrounds, all walks of life, and she made them feel safe enough to open up about some really important issues, like, really important issues. Like, obviously, we were really young um, when the Oprah Winfrey show or slash not alive um, <laughs> when it was when it was on the air but like I've seen some clips like Rihanna opening up about like the whole ordeal with Chris Brown yeah like you could never like I would never do that personally yeah. like, unless I felt really really comfortable so for her to not only talk with people that she doesn't even know like that and get them to open up about it and then open up about it on national tv you have to be so empathetic so kind and make people feel so comfortable and i think that's really really important um not like i don't mean that in a way of saying be empathetic so you can make money like (laughs) i just mean like the importance of talking to people getting to know them i think it can really transform how you work with people not only in your career but also just you know in your day-to-day lives and if the world was a lot more empathetic like the world would be a completely different place yes um 100 and you can see like in her show so from like the 1990s the show as far as we know, because we weren't alive, um, <laughs> became a lot more like socially conscious, right? So she was supporting issues surrounding the LGBT community, surrounding AIDS. She was also using her production company to elevate the likes of black female writers. So Toni Morrison or Gloria Naylor. So Beloved, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think this just really shows the importance of being socially conscious, the importance of being empathetic to all different people, all different walks of life um because she confronted like really important issues on her show yeah. and um you know she was tackling really important problems and yeah empathy is just something that we i think we all love to talk about empathy and like be kind but yeah when you actually like you the everything takes practice right and everything needs conscious yeah. work and i think being yeah. empathetic and not being judgmental um, of people is so so important yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. um something that like you said it's it's something that i guess as humans we all have the capacity for naturally but also have to be conscious about kind of you know mm. being intentional about it in our day-to-day lives and i think what's even more powerful about how oprah was able to connect with people and be so empathetic is that if you look at her childhood and all the struggles she went through you know being abused and running away from home and like it, it, it sounds like she didn't have a lot of support or people who were being empathetic towards her you know so yeah. I guess even in in her opening up to other people um it's coming from a place of kind of knowing how it would feel to well w- without having it kind of imagining how it would feel to be heard and to be cared for so I guess it's it's yeah yeah I guess it must have been natural to her but also something that she hadn't maybe experienced in her youth so like even more powerful how she was able to be so effective with it um yeah without having experienced it um yeah so I guess another key takeaway kind of building on from what you were saying about how she was talking about really important stuff and being at the forefront of so many issues is that 
she was supporting people who were being discriminated against while she herself was also being discriminated against you know she was being she was in a white male dominated space as a black woman i mean even today that's still a um, an issue that needs to be redressed, you know, that imbalance. But even That's more still so the when case. she was starting out. Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I think Trevor Noah is like, what, the only other guy? True. <laughs> In the major space. True. True. <laughs> but yeah, 100%. Like, it's, it's still an issue now. Even more of an issue than um, uh, race inequality is 100% still an issue now, but even more pronounced and less... Um, like spoken about then, but she was there in that space, breaking down barriers whilst also being discriminated against. So that's a pretty powerful thing if you look at it. Um, and I guess a, a lesson is don't be afraid uh, because other people aren't, don't look like you or don't come from the same background as you. She was doing it in a time where it was a lot harder. It's still hard. And she was doing it kind of on national TV in a very public way. But even if it's in your own small way, you know, in a classroom, in a business meeting, wherever it is, you know, just be, be proud of you and, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because also, like, even though she was the first black female newscaster mm-hmm. in Nashville and she was in a white male dominated space, she's also so much more than a black woman. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, obviously we focus on it because it's really important. Like, she opened the gateway for so many other people mm-hmm. and she represented, um, or, you know, she became a, I don't want to say idol, what's the word? inspirational yeah and showed people who looked like her that you know people could achieve these things Mm -hmm. they could be multi-millionaires all this kind of stuff um (laughs) exactly sorry sorry my bad um but i think it's really important (laughs) um i think it's really important to if you take this personally or not personally if you take this out of the context of oprah um kind of what i was talking about before with adaptability but just not zeroing zeroing in on one part of your identity. Oprah not only thrived and was unique because she was black and a woman, but she thrived because she was incredibly emotional. She was really gifted at communication. And that's what made her stand out apart from just being a black woman. And I think sometimes we often limit ourselves to one identity um, and not even just like with race or gender or anything even with like our careers so I don't know if you guys I feel like I might have spoken about this on another podcast but I'm just going to repeat it because I loved it um but basically there's this youtuber called Ali Abdal who I highly recommend especially if you're a student listening to this because he has like amazing videos on wait say um, the name like, again revising and Ali Abdal okay I'll put like um I'll post it on like our story or something so if you're listening to yeah. this go look at our story if you want to um find him like i this is like you should honestly go and watch his youtube because he's just a really cute guy and he's amazing um with revision and study tips like really really good but anyway um one thing he said um which was really important for him was this concept of an and in quotation marks identity so in his case it's not just being a youtuber um he's also a doctor and a podcaster and a startup owner and like all these different things and he's so multifaceted and he's not just a male doctor do you get mm-hmm. like he's so much more than that and I think sometimes we really limit ourselves to just one yeah. part of our identity when we're yeah. so multifaceted and yeah. I think we should also fo- when we look at other people there's so much more than just 
their gender or their race or their career. Um, I think it's really important to remember that and remember that from personally, um, remember that in an individual sense. Because like, for example, if you just take our podcast now, I could have been like, oh no, I'm too shy. Or like, (laughs) no, I'm a student, I won't have enough time. But now I'm a podcaster, like what the hell? That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And like, it gives you something to talk about. Um, But it just like, I think it just opens you up to so many more things because I could have just like personally before I always thought like, oh, I'm really shy or I'm too like socially anxious, all this kind of stuff. But if I accept that as my identity, right, mm-hmm. I'm never going to do anything yeah. because I'm not going to have the confidence. But if I say no, that's not who I am. Yeah. That's just something that has been a part of me. And yeah. me as myself, I can break that down. I can do whatever I want because yeah. I am confident or I am not socially anxious or I can do this. Then that's not part of my identity anymore. And I can make my identity whatever I want it to be and really... Yeah. Um, varied as well so I think it's really important just to remember that you're not just one thing you can do whatever the hell you want 100% 100% 100% agree and just emphasize emphasize you literally are in control of your identity and of who you are you know what you say you are is who you become what you say you are is how you you know you inform your decisions and the actions that you take in life so if you say you are confident you're going to do things that a confident person will do and become more and more confident. If you say you are, you know, shy and reserved and you can't put yourself out there, you're not going to put yourself out there and that is going to become who you are. So as Almino was saying, you literally are in control of your identity. You are not limited by one, you know, dimension of your identity. It's so many things from so many parts of your life. So, yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah. And also, this is, like, I because this concept of, like, identity was also introduced to me by... Have you read Atomic Habits by James Clear yet? Mm-hmm. I'm reading right now. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm not sure if you got to the part, but he talks about how um, your identity contributes to your habits. So, he was talking about... Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah, for yeah. me personally... Exactly. Um, like early this year or like throughout my life I've just I've never been like super messy right but I've just been like messier than I wanted to be and I wanted to Mm -hmm. make it a habit of mine to just be really tidy like just be super organized be really tidy you know if I drop something pick it up then don't just like or if I'm getting ready like yeah yeah if I all my clothes on the bed put it back in my wardrobe before I go out and (laughs) this was like this whole concept of identity because I always used to be like oh I'm such a messy person and I was like wait no I'm just gonna start telling myself that I'm an organized person that I'm clean and that like you know I'm really tidy and then literally like I'm so tidy now like I'm so tidy and I just because I accepted that as part of my identity I know it's such a stupid example like it's literally just me cleaning my room like why wasn't I doing that before it's a good example (laughs) (laughs) But I just think it shows, like, how important identity or how influential identity can be. Um, And obviously that can be on the flip side because I can have a negative sense because if I'm always like, oh, I'm so messy, then I'll just be messy. Um, Yeah. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to pick that up because I'm messy. Exactly, exactly. It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, you just have to accept what you... If you want to be something, accept that you are something or that you will be something. It's like manifestation, kind of. Basically. Um, But, yeah. Basically. And it's real. Like, manifestation is not some magic thing that, like, I've said it and it's going to happen. Like, you say it and then your brain accepts it and, like, hardwires that into how you act and then you make it happen for yourself because you believe it. So yeah, read that book. Really good book. It's so funny. Like, it's crazy how it works. Yeah, Atomic Habits is great. 
Yeah. Very, very crazy how it works. And I guess kind of building on from that kind of rounding up, we can finish with a quote from Oprah where she says, turn your wounds into wisdom, you know? So okay, I love that quote. Beautiful quote. Literally kind of what we're saying, like take it, um, it's knocked you down. But from that kind of take the things that you can build yourself back up with, take the things that can let you pivot into the type of person you want to be. Take the good from it, you know, the lessons you can learn. And of course, like in the moment, experience the pain. You don't want to just block out your emotions. But then don't hold on to that. Don't think that I failed. That's who I am, you know. Feel the disappointment mm-hmm. in the moment or whatever. Take the lessons. Leave behind any notion that you're a failure and just build on from there. For real. For real. Yeah. I love that. I'm actually, I think I might post that quote on Instagram because I yeah. just think that post, like that quote is so nice. Like It is. It's it so, is. so poetic, guys. She's so... <laughs> I mean, she She's is crazy. a communicator. But <laughs> that is true. Very good with her words, I guess. <laughs> uh, we're trying to be like her. Really trying to be like her. <laughs> um, yeah, two point six billion in the in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I would not. I would not mind that. I want to have a songs about Alvina's bank account. Drake could be singing about my bank account. <laughs> Plural. <laughs> oh my gosh. Plural bank account. Sorry. Sorry. Yes. Plural, thank you. Plural. Plural. Um. So yeah. Um. I'm a billionaire. I am. You know. I am making that part of my identity. <laughs> That's so true. Okay, okay, let's manifest this. Okay, Rebecca and I, yeah. Rebecca and I are gonna have a massively successful podcast. We're gonna be mm. billionaires by. When are we gonna be billionaires by? Soon, soon. <laughs> soon, she because you know we soon. we can't have it too fixed and rigid because we have to pivot. You know. <laughs> soon. That's true. That I mean, but so I'm not pivoting space. in my goal to be a billionaire. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, okay, how we'll get there, how we'll get there. So it might take, you know, I'm gonna say five years, it might in, take I'm gonna seven, say in 10, 20. I'm gonna say, for Oprah, it took, so I don't think, she became a billionaire in the early 2000s. So that was like, if we say from the start of her Oprah Winfrey show, that took her 14 years. I'm gonna say in 15 Damn. years, we're gonna be billionaires, Rebecca. Okay, okay, light work. Light work, light work. Uh, yeah, okay, so that kind of brings us to the end of this episode. We really hope you liked it. Obviously, this was a little bit different than what we've done before, um, but we really hope you enjoyed it. Please give us any feedback, positive and negative, but if you're doing negative, make it constructive. We don't endorse mm-hmm. hate on this podcast. Um, but yeah, we'd really love to hear your comments on the podcast. Um, and also, if you want us to talk about anyone else, so we have some ideas for some of our future episodes. We're going to be doing one more episode um of this type in this season um but definitely if there's anyone that you really want us to talk about and want to learn more about their life just let us know and we will definitely research into them and see what we can find um so yeah we hope you guys enjoyed the episode remember to follow us on instagram and twitter engage with us we would love to hear from you guys um and yeah we will see you next week have a good week guys next week bye Bye.